What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Sports Business Podcast. I am your host, Eric Compton. This podcast is available on all platforms. Wherever you get your podcast from, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. You can find me on Instagram at Money Compton. You can also find me on Twitter slash X. That's at Sports Business, S-P-R-T-Z-B-I-Z-N-E-S-S. You can also email the show at sportsbusiness at gmail.com. That's S-P-R-T-Z-B-I-Z-N-E-S-S at gmail.com. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about this NFL wildcard weekend. We're going to talk about these legendary coaches, both in the college and in the pros, getting up and just dipping out. And before we get up out of here, we're going to talk about the dummy of the day. And that I'm going to give you a preview is the NFL in itself. But first things first, we are shooting this show today on Martin Luther King Day. And initially, I had a joke where I was going to be like, hey, I wonder what Jonathan Majors and Megan Good were doing today on Martin Luther King Day based off of that uh, Good Morning America interview that was taking place, I believe, last week. But then I saw something that Pat McAfee did today, earlier today, where he said something to the notion of the link. If you guys don't know, look it up what the link is apparently meaning now. And I knew initially when College Game Day did that joke uh, last Monday or last weekend during the national championship game that some people were going to take that joke and take it out of hand. And lo and behold, the person who made the joke initially has taken it out of context. So with that being said... Um, you know, today is Martin Luther King Day. We celebrate the day in life of Martin Luther King, the civil rights leader of all of the amazing things that he did to spearhead where we are at today. Um, granted, our country is not perfect. Um, but however, if you look back at where we were almost 60 some odd years ago, we're in a better place than we initially were. We still have a lot of work to do, but let's not take today as just a regular day off for some people who did have to work. Um, Shout out to y'all for making it happen. But, uh, you know, let's not take today's day as just another regular day off. And, you know, we just get to chill out with our friends and family. But, uh, you know, crack open the book, read, you know, think about all the dope things that he's been able to do. Um, It's not even just whites and blacks unifying, but literally any type of minority, blacks, browns, Asians, um, our Indo-Asian people, our Southeast Asian people, um, even our whites that uh, come from Europe. You know, so let's just take today and just uh, make sure that we're able to acknowledge the great things that Dr. Martin Luther King was able to do. With that being said, let's talk about this NFL wildcard weekend. Um, I put out a post yesterday on Facebook, and I should have really did it on X because I feel like Facebook are people that you know as opposed to Twitter slash X. You kind of get a little grab bag a little bit of everybody. But I put out a post yesterday where I initially said that... Uh, C.D. Lamb is not a number one wide receiver. And I had these delusional, that's right, delusional Cowboy fans that was like, E, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, yes, I do know what I'm talking about. The problem is, and I, and I said this this season, and I've said it in previous episodes beforehand, where Cowboy fans necessarily don't bother me. And I had a homie tell me, nah, they, they just hella delusional, and they don't know what they're talking about, and they're super duper biased and things like that. And I was actually rooting for the Cowboys to win because I'm tired of seeing Stephen A. Smith all the time with his little Cowboy giddy up and doing all the montage and his little skit that he does whenever the Cowboys do do lose their big high profile games. So there's a part of me that roots for y'all just because I think that skit is very immature. It's childish and it's extremely petty for somebody to be at that man's statue and he out here playing dress up um, with a cowboy hat and a cigar 
looking like Yosemite Sam or somebody like that. It's really, really petty. It's really, really childish. And I don't find it entertaining at all. I think it's actually rather stupid. But I'm not even going to lie. After, based off of what I saw yesterday on my timeline, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he's all the way right. Um, he's, he's been on record to say the Cowboy fans are delusional. They're extremely biased. And yesterday, after I posted this post about C.D. Lamb, um, not being a true number one receiver. And I said all that people want to bring up, well, he had 1700 yards this year. He had, you know, 12 or 13 touchdowns. Well, yeah, that's cool and all. But if you look at the quality of competition that the Cowboys had this year, that Philadelphia Eagles game, when they barely lost the first time around, um, he had a, that might've been like his, probably his best game that he's had as a pro when it comes against a high profile team. Cause he didn't show up against the 49ers earlier this year. I don't know what he did against the Cardinals, but, uh, He's not been, to me, a pure bona fide stud receiver. When I think of stud receivers, I'm talking about Jamar Chase. I'm talking about Justin Jefferson. I'm talking about A.J. Brown. I'm talking about D.K. Metcalf. I'm talking about Tyreek Hill. Um, hell, you can even throw Cooper Cup in there, which I think Devontae Adams, um, even Travis Kelsey. Dudes that perform when the lights shine the brightest. My man seems to crumble in the biggest lights. And someone had the nerve to talk about, well, he had nine catches for 109 yards. I'm not worried about the garbage time yards, okay? Let's talk about the first half when you had like three catches for 31 yards. Let's talk about that because the game was over at halftime, all right? Mike McCarthy shouldn't even came out to coach the second half. That's how much of an embarrassment it is. But someone really had the audacity to say, well, he had over 100 yards catching. Yeah, in the second half when they was just out here just playing Olay ball, them yards didn't mean nothing at that point. Them catches didn't mean nothing. The game was literally over at halftime. So, with that, with that being said, C.D. Lamb has really benefited off of Amari Cooper his first year, first few years being his sidekick. He is not a true number one receiver. That's not a knock on my mans. That's not. It's cool. And I like C.D. Lamb. I think he's really, really good. But for me to see, the thing about C.D. Lamb, the thing about Dak Prescott, and the thing about the Cowboys in general is that nobody really cares what you do in the regular season anymore. It is, can you produce in the pro season because everything else doesn't matter. We know that you guys are good players. We know that you guys are going to put up good numbers. But until you guys are able to win games in the postseason, all of that other stuff is mood point. I don't give a monkey's ass what he does in the regular season. I really don't care. I don't give a damn what he does from September all the way up until the middle of January. I don't care. It does not mean nothing to me. It is what you can do in the postseason. Now, for all the weirdos that are like, oh, well, what about, you know, what about Tyreek Hill? What did he, you know, what did he do? I saw him, saw him catch score the only touchdown when the game was still, I think, 10 to 7 or something like that in Saturday in that, in that game in Arnautica. Um, You know, so, no, C.D. Lamb is not a number one wide receiver in my book. Sorry. I think Devontae Adams is better. I think Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, D.K. Metcalf, A.J. Brown. Hell, you can even put Devontae Smith in that realm at, at, to a certain extent. Cooper Cup. Um, Tyreek Hill, there's a lot of good receivers. He's up there. He's just not, to me, he's he's a top 10 receiver, but he ain't not top five or top three. There's no way. There's no way you're telling me that this dude is better than, Devon, in no particular order, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Justin Jefferson. There's just no way you're telling me that. There's no way you're going to be able to convince me that. Well, he had 1,700 yards this year. He had 1,300 yards this year. That don't matter. When you put the star in your helmet and you got you got the uh, cowboy blue pants on, it does not matter. It does not matter what you do in the regular season. It is all what you do in the postseason. So all you Cowboy fans saying that I'm a hater, go carry the hell on. Because at the end of the day, the Cowboys, once again, did not show up. This is probably worse 
than the Cowboys Niners game last year. This is probably worse than the ass whooping that they took earlier this season against the 49ers or even that horrible loss that they had against the Arizona Cardinals. This the, like the Cowboys clearly got out coached yesterday, outplayed in every aspect of the game. It wasn't until the fourth quarter where the, the Packers ended up punting the ball away uh, for the first time. So I don't know what they need to do. I will say this. If you guys think that letting go of Dak Prescott is, is a good idea, then you might as well go ahead and turn in your fanboy cap as well. Because who's going to be better that's walking in? You think that you're going to be able to get Justin Fields? That's a possibility. Um, do you think that Captain Kirk Cousins is going to save the day? I don't even think he's leaving Minnesota at the end of the year. I think he's I think he's he likes it there. Um, do you want to go try to get Daniel Jones? I don't even know if he's available coming off of a torn ACL. Or do you try to make a move and mortgage off your future and try to go get a Drake May? Caleb Williams or even uh, Jalen Daniels, who I'm not sold on neither one of those quarterbacks. Maybe Jalen Daniels more than the outside of Caleb Williams and uh, Drake May. But do you try to go just mortgage off your future and try to hit the reset button? That's a possibility. But then if you're going to do that, then you might as well go ahead and ship away Micah Parsons, ship away C.D. Lamb, um, and ship away probably Stephon Gilmore as well as Trayvon Diggs. Because now at that point, you're just telling me you're going to hit the reset button. So Dak Prescott has all the leverage in the world right now, which I don't blame. But I can rest assure you, it's the show as of this recording is Monday at 1235. And we haven't heard any word of what happens to Mike McCarthy, but I'm assuming that he's not coming back. And the rumors of Bill Belichick coming is a stupid idea because this dude doesn't necessarily really know. I don't think he knows how to keep it pushing and get with the times of today's NFL, especially if he thinks that he can still run personnel, like he wants to be the GM kind of dude. Um, my man likes to play the Oregon Trail and be the farmer as opposed to the banker. Why? I don't know. But he, he loves being the farmer as opposed to trying to win the whole thing with the bank as a, as a banker. But that's neither here or there. There. Now, let's flip on the other side with the Green Bay Packers. Raise your hand if you thought the Green Bay Packers were just going to smoke the Dallas Cowboys because I didn't see that um raise your hand if you knew that Jordan Love has scored like over the last seven games have scored 20 some odd touchdowns and have only had one interception I didn't know that either so I thought that the Packers had a chance at winning like I you know I don't think a lot of people have really watched the Green Bay Packers as a whole because once when Aaron Rodgers left and they missed the playoffs last year it was kind of like ah they'll probably hit the reset button but um, and, and be competitive, but no one expected them to come up from the rear and even have a chance to win the NFC North Division at a small chance, even though Detroit ended up, you know, steamrolling and making that happen. But I didn't realize outside of the Kansas City Green Bay Monday night game, I don't think I've watched another Cowboys game. Or, I'm sorry, a Packers game. I think they played the Raiders this year as well. Um, and that didn't fare out too well as well for the Raiders. So, I didn't watch a lot of uh, Green Bay Packers game, but Jordan Love, outside of the week one game, I believe it was against the Bears, I had kind of seen like, okay, maybe the Packers got it right again for the third time in a row with their quarterbacks where this dude is the real deal. If you're telling me in the last seven games he's throwing 20-some-odd touchdowns to one interception, my man, is he's too legit to quit. Um, he killed the Cowboys last yesterday on the play action alone. Like, I think three of his touchdowns were like for over 150 yards um, just based off of play action. That ain't nothing to blink at. The D, the Packers defense made plays, pick six. Um, Jair Alexander 
you know, whenever he lined up against CD Lamb, pretty much had him on lockdown in the first half. Um, and they got to Dak Prescott as well, but the pick six made things happen. The Jair Alexander interception that could have low-key been a pick six as well um, had, had uh, Brandon Cooks not touched him as they were going down to the ground. That could have been a game-breaker too. So this might be Matt LaFleur's greatest coaching feat since he's been with the Packers. To be able to take a team that most of us have written off, to include myself, um, and be able to just go into Dallas and steamroll them boys was very, very impressive. And this is something that, you, you know, you know, if you look over Matt LaFleur's coaching career, whenever it's all said and done, people are going to look back at that game and be like, hey, man, nobody gave them boys a chance. And he went out there and laid the smackdown on the Dallas Cowboys, which is unheard of. So shout out to, to the Green Bay Packers. Now, they do have a daunting task where they play the San Francisco 49ers next week. I believe it's probably going to be on Saturday. That ain't no feat to, to glance at, I think, or as far as the Niners. If I'm the 49ers, granted, they're coming off of essentially a two-week bye. Um, they kind of punted last week's game away against the Rams where they played a majority of their backups, and so did the Rams. Um, but the, pack, uh, the Niners played really, really well coming off of a bye. However, Green Bay is at this point playing with house money. They can be as pretty much the same thing of the 2022 Cincinnati Bengals, um, where there's just this team that's kind of like a Cinderella team that ha- that just gets hot at the right time and they make it all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, the two New York Giants Super Bowls, those those two years that they beat the Patriots, was kind of the same way. They just got out of hot at the right time and just kind of made things happen and they ended up winning two Super Bowls. So if I'm the San Francisco 49ers, you ain't taking this team lightly at all. Um, I think that the game... If the 49ers don't have, if they're not locked in, if they're not fully focused, if they're not taking these boys lightly, Green Bay can, not saying that they will, they can make things a little bit more difficult for the 49ers. Now, with that being said, the 49ers, on the other hand, I'm telling y'all right now, I said it last week on the show, and I'm saying it again this week, 49ers, it is Super Bowl or bust. It ain't even getting to the Super Bowl. You have to win the Super Bowl. Otherwise, it is a wash season. Like, y'all think I'm going higher than on, on the Cowboys on CeeDee Lamb? That is nothing compared to what can happen if you guys don't win the Super Bowl. I can't think of another team that had four individuals that had over a thousand yards, respectively. I think Kittle had a thousand yards, Brad Ayuk had a thousand yards, Samuel had a thousand yards, and Christian McCaffrey had over a thousand yards in their respective positions. You got Fred Warner, who's an all pro middle linebacker. You had uh, Traverius Ward making things happen. in the secondary, and then you also got that crazy front front seven or front D line with Nick Bosa, uh, Fred uh, not Fred Warner, uh, what's my man's name that they got for uh, Chase Young, uh, and, and and all them boys out there on the defensive line as well. So, with that being said, it is championship or bust for y'all. Like there is no excuses. You guys better make it happen. Otherwise, I'm gonna be sitting there looking at y'all all types of crazy. Um, there's no excuse. Like if anything. You probably will be playing against the Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship game. And I'm going to get to the Lions in a minute because, LOL, it's still the Lions. Um, but the Packers really, really grabbed my attention this weekend. That's probably the most impressive win out of all the wildcard games that have that have taken place as of this recording. Um, and we'll see what ends up happening. Now, switching over to some of those Saturday games, my man Jose Flacco went back to Joe Flacco. Um, I was on the Jose Flacco train, but then I also realized, oh yeah, it's the Cleveland Browns, LOL. Another loser franchise that just don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, and the thing about the Browns this year was 
They're on the fourth string quarterback. That's cool. They had a lights out, a championship contending defense. Here's the thing. The Cleveland Browns had a season with what the New York Jets were expecting to have with Zach Wilson, I think. Um, if you look at the, the side-by-side comparisons, Aaron Rodgers goes out in the beginning of the season, and Zach Wilson, with that defense, you would have thought that Zach Wilson kind of keep them boys afloat. Now, Joe Flacco, on the other hand, I think he played the last six or seven games or something like that. I don't know. It might not even been that many games, but he led whatever, the, whatever time frame that he came, he led the league in passing, he led the league in touchdowns, and I think he still had a few interceptions. I think it was like five or six interceptions. Um, Joe Flacco did everything he's supposed to do. He came off the streets and made things happen. Now, granted, the Cleveland Browns, they didn't have Deshaun Watson, which is going to be very, very interesting what ends up happening coming in the next training camp. Because if I am Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns, I would strongly consider inviting Joe Flacco to training camp and let him compete for the starting quarterback. This team had the starting running back one of the starting offensive linemen, and I think one of their stellar DBs all come out the year with, with horrible, gruesome injuries that ended up costing them their entire season. With that being said, it's also the Cleveland Browns where it's like, they just got that loser stank all over them where it, it, it don't matter what they can do, they just never going to be able to overcome it. And I think that's what's ended up happening with them this past weekend when they ran into that dog, C.J. Stroud, who was out here just shredding the boys up as well. Um, the thing about D'Amico Ryans, who... I think should be the coach of the year. You could put him, Stefanski with Cleveland. Um, hell, you can even put Matt LaFleur in there as far as getting your ballots in there. But in my opinion, it's got to be D'Amico Ryans. This man took a team that was probably the, one of the highest, the, one of the most laughing stock franchises in the league and not only won the division in a pretty, pretty low competition division outside of the Jacksonville Jaguars and made things happen and won a whole bunch of games for them. They got a a solidified, a top 10 quarterback already in C.J. Stroud. Um, Their defense plays really, really lights out, and they made things happen. And then not to mention, they put up 40-some-odd points against a championship elite-level defense in the the Cleveland Browns. So, D'Amico Ryans is definitely the coach of the year. C.J. Stroud, whew. You know, I get that uh, Puka Nakua set a whole bunch of records for rookie wide receiver this year, but, man, C.J. Stroud, I, I don't know how he doesn't win Offensive Player of the Year outside of Puka Nakua. Which, if you gave it to Puka, I would totally understand. But for me, if I had a vote this year, it'd definitely be for C.J. Stroud to be able to take a team that was just straight lemon booty all last season and for them to be literally going into the second round. And I believe, I believe they may be able to get another home game out of the whole ordeal. It's truly, truly remarkable. So, um, the C.J., you know, C.J. Stroud and Houston Texans, man, they're only going to get better. They have a lot of young talent. Um, I'm trying to get uh, BB uh, Brian Bearfield on the show this week to talk Houston Texans football since he's their beat writer down there. And uh, he can go on to go into details as far as how well they've been playing and how the team really just, you know, they rally around each other. So I, I, I'm a huge believer in the Texans. I don't know who they're going to play, whether it's the Ravens or the Chiefs, but we'll see what ends up happening. Now, as far as the Dolphins go, when I saw the forecast at that game, I knew off rip the Dolphins had no chance of playing in Antarctica like temperature uh, temperature in Kansas City. <laughs> when I saw that they were talking about the wind chill being negative 30, come on, man. You're, you're in South Beach. Like, there's no way outside of getting playing, I don't even know how they would have been able to set up a meat locker, a, a full-fledged football field that looked like a meat locker, and just be able to play just to even simulate something like that. 
the Miami Dolphins had no, they had no chance of winning that game. Now, the same energy that we are giving Dak Prescott, we low-key need to start looking at Tua Tagovailoa and saying, like, yo, man, is this dude the future um, for the Dolphins? Because he looked like a deer in the headlights. Um, granted, the defense didn't have their top two, top three uh, edge rushers, um, and, and, and it clearly showed yesterday as well. So, or not yesterday, but Saturday, it clearly showed, but... I'm starting to look at Tua a little bit more different because he's also another player when it's if it's not middle of July, January, he ain't he ain't balling out. And I think I saw a record for the Dolphins that says that under Mike McDaniel, if you look at all of their their records by month, they are plus 500 in each month outside of January, which means that this team is not really really ready for cold weather games. Now, granted. As much as as much slack as or as much grief we're giving the Miami Dolphins for playing, for not showing up, hey Kansas City, there's not too many teams in this world that is prepared to play in negative 30 degree weather. So they also, you know, they also had to play out there and play in them same type of conditions as well. Um, I told y'all I'm not ready to write off the Kansas City Chiefs like most of y'all are. Um, until I see the champions lose, I'm, I'm just not counting them out. Um, Rasheed White Rice look finally looked like a bona fide number one receiver that they've been looking for to compliment Travis Kelsey this entire time. Isaac Pacheco uh, made a touchdown. So I'm very, very not going to say, you know, I think there were still a couple of drops where that might have been their best complete win this year. Granted that it was in third, you know, negative 30 degree weather. So that made things happen. But like I said, Miami, they ain't got no chance of playing in Antarctica and winning the game. But it's also time to start looking at Tua. Um, I think he's due for a new, a big contract if he hasn't gotten paid already. Um, but you know, how do you, how do you, how do you justify giving that man a whole bunch of money? Um, but y'all want to give Dak Prescott hell. Cause I feel like those two dudes are in the same predicament at this point. So, um, I'm just saying, I don't, I want to say move on from Tua, but you know, you, I don't think we give Tua enough grief like we give Dak. So, you know, if we're going to give people grief, we got to keep it, we got to keep it 100. And I think I've been the only one that's been willing to say, Hey, Tua, you got to do better, bro. I need more from you. So it is what it is. Now, the LA Rams, I would have been three for three as far as my picks went. And I didn't put no money on the game. So all you weirdos that love to go, you know, feel like a little DraftKings triple play parlay. I ain't talking about that. I'm just talking from an analytical standpoint. I had the Texans beating the Browns. I had the Cowboys I'm sorry, not the Cowboys. I had the Chiefs beating the the Dolphins, and then I also had the Rams beating the Lions. Or oh, Eric, why 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 would you do that? Because it's the freaking Lions. They have never won any. I'll be 37 this year. The last time the Lions won a playoff game, I believe, was in '93 or '94. Okay, the last time they won a division was in '93, and I think they ended up losing to the San Francisco 49ers that year, which might have been the greatest football team I ever seen in my life. So it's the Lions. They have. This is a team that has won no games, one game, two games in a season. It's the Lions, bruh. It is the Lions. This is a team that are, they are one step ahead of the Cleveland Browns, okay? This is a team that's just got that loser stank on them. So I know I didn't believe in the Lions and try to beat the LA Rams. I didn't see that. Now, here's the thing why I don't believe in the Lions. As much as everybody loves Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell will be the reason why people will start hating him why in why in the world i think it was on first third down 
third down with with less of, with right around two minutes left on the on the game clock in the fourth quarter. Why is he throwing the ball? Why is he throwing the ball? Granted, they was able to get it done. You know, it was it was they ended up converting to the first down, and that's what ended up ultimately icing the game. But why are you throwing the ball, bro? Because if you don't throw, if he doesn't make the reception, I believe that ends up being fourth down. The, the time is stopped, and the Rams also had one timeout, and then the, and the Lions would have had to punt the ball. The Lions had only scored three points in the second half, ladies and gentlemen. So as much as we're giving Dan Campbell, oh man, this dude's a gutsy play caller. He's this, he's that. He ain't no different than Brandon Staley, and a lot of y'all just don't want to admit that. A lot of y'all don't. Out here going for fake, fake punts inside of his own 40-yard line. Out here running, you know, practically going on every fourth down. Him and Brandon Staley, I think, were the top two coaches that went for it most on the fourth down. Well, his players go, you know, they go so hard for him. And that's fine. No one's knocking that. His, his players do play hard. You know, he's he's definitely a player's coach where players want to go run through a brick wall for that man. And I'm not knocking that. But some of the play calls that he has is a little reckless. As much as we want to sit there and say that the Lions got hosed against the Cowboys, did nobody tell that man to keep going for two points after they didn't, they had that one two-point play uh, reneged on them because of whatever snafu that the referee said that the old linemen checked in but didn't check in, but they really did? Okay, but why did you still go for two points still? Like, why did you still go for two? Two more times after that. You know, so as much as we love to give Dan Campbell a lot of credit, it's going to be a time and an instance where we're going to be looking at Dan Campbell like, bro, you was tripping on some of these plays. Now, with that being said, like I gave um, Matt LaFleur his flowers as far as this being his best coaching gig. I think this year for Sean McVay, this might have been his best coaching gig as well outside of, you know, the year that they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. This L.A. Rams team, nobody believed in the boys, including me. I thought the Rams were kind of hitting a reset button and they were just kind of rebuild. And I was shocked that Matt Stafford and Aaron Donald all came back this year because we all kind of just knew that this team wasn't a championship contending team. And you mean to tell me that this team was inches away from possibly beating this Detroit Lions Cinderella team? And the only critique I probably has is when, why didn't they go for that field goal? I know it was a long distance field goal, but. You know, punting the ball with that little time left on the clock and, you know, during the first half, you guys weren't able to stop, stop them boys at all. And I get it. They were only they only gave up three points in the second half, but I would have went for the field goal like they were just on that. They were just right there with the field goal range. It's indoors. It's in a control compliant building, climate building. You can make that high. You can go for the field goal. And I would have zero regrets with that. Um, That would have been my only takeaway is that I honestly thought that they were going to kick the field goal or even go for it. I know it's fourth and fourth 13, but at that point, you kind of just got to go yellow. Matt Stafford and the boys were keep heating up. Puka Nakua set all types of records. You still got Cooper Cup. Um, you still got Kyrie Williams on uh, as, as the running back. I would have went for it or even kicked the field goal is all I'm saying. So that was my only questionable call. But again, it's the Lions. It's the Lions. I just don't believe until I see them boys win. I'm not going to believe in them boys. Y'all can sit there riding Dan Campbell hype train all you want. I'm not knocking you for that. I'm with you. I understand why players want to play, but from somebody who's seen this game for a long time, I'm like I said, the Lions are gonna find a Lions way to be the Lions. Just like the Browns found a Browns way to be the Browns. Just like the Falcons have found ways to just be the Falcons. Certain teams, just like in the NBA, you got the Utah Jazz, the Indiana Pacers, and even the New York Knicks to a certain extent. They all just got this stench where they just a whole bunch of losers. And that's what the Lions are right now. Until they win the championship, you know, they just a whole bunch of losers. It was cool to see the fans out here being celebrated. I seen some 89-year-old man 
damn near in tears yesterday. And that's cool. Good for y'all. But then now, what's, what's the realistic expectation? That you guys think that you can beat the 49ers? Because based off of what I saw in the second half, as much as we like to give Kyle Shanahan a lot of grief, my man is, he knows his X's and O's. And they probably got a whole lot of Joes that are bona fide stars more than what the Detroit Lions have. Um, and, and, and let me let me add this too. Jared Goff going to the Detroit Lions makes Jared Goff be the scapegoat on why LA couldn't get why he couldn't get the Rams to the finish line, um, which I think is completely unfair. If you take that Super Bowl game away, the Rams didn't. They had a Todd Gurley who was clearly cooked. Um, it, it, like his his wear and tear was already starting to show. Um, when they got to that Super Bowl where Todd Gurley really after that season was never the same again. They didn't have a Cooper Cup. I think they had like Robert Woods and that's all I could think of off the top of my head right now was Robert Woods was on the team as far as the offensive side of the ball. They had Wade Phillips, which, you know, he was cool and all, but that defense was not as stacked as the defense that won the Super Bowl a couple of years later um, back in, I believe that was either 21 or 22. So, I think to give Jared Goff all of that grief that he was the reason why the Lions couldn't get there. Like, granted, I get Matt Stafford coming there, I think his first year and winning the Super Bowl, like, that makes it, the optics don't look good. But I think Jared Goff is what he is. But if you put Matt Stafford on that same team that they went to the Super Bowl, I think the same outcome would have happened as well. So I don't think Jared Goff should be the scapegoat of what happened in LA those few years. Um, and the cool thing about that is he gets to rewrite his history. For him to be able to beat his former team is pretty, pretty dope. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We'll see what ends up happening against this uh, uh game where they, you know, they'll get to play against the winner of the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Philadelphia Eagles. Yuck. Um, and they get a home game too because, you know, they'll, they'll be able to play the winner of that and they're back at their house where Ford Field's going to be, it's going to be cracking up in the D. Um, it, it's totally going to be cracking, but... It's no, you know, it's no, I, I think Jared Goff played a very, very good game yesterday. And if he keeps going on the rate that he's going, he can be able to rewrite his history. He can silence all of his, he gets to silence all of his doubters. So I think that the Lions are cool. Like I said, I just got to see them actually win the whole damn thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Just saying. Y'all, y'all be, y'all be so quick to hop on the latest Kool-Aid. And I'm just like, nah, I'm awake. I'm going to see, I got to see who all over there first before I just hop in the club. I'm not, I'm not getting on the hype train and then it fades out. It's a good narcotic to get on. You know, the Lions are a good narcotic, but it's just not for me. It's not time. That's not my type of narcotic I want to, uh, you know, indulge in. So shout out to you. Now, with that being said, as of this recording, the Bills and the Steelers have not played the uh game, the yuck game of the Bang, or Buccaneers against the Eagles. That ain't started yet. So um, we're going to kind of transition into... What kind of took place? Um, actually, you know what? No, we'll stay here. This is, you know, this is my show. So, actually, Bills and Steelers. I would not be shocked if the Bill, uh, if the Steelers beat the Bills. I really wouldn't. I don't know how they're going to do it. Mason Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer as a quarterback. I know they held a whole bunch of people out here shoveling snow out for the last 12 hours. Um, but here's the thing about the Buffalo Bills. They have played like a number two seed at times, and they have also played like a team that is looking like they need the first-round draft, first pick overall in the draft. Um... They have been super duper inconsistent. Granted that they have kind of caught heat, started started to play a lot better ever since they fired Ken Dorsey and they got my man Joe Brady as their offensive coordinator. 
I'm just not so sold on Josh Allen. He's that dude, but he also costs, you know, he costs his team sometimes some games. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Pittsburgh Steelers just go in there and win. And I also wouldn't be shocked if the Buffalo Bills just went over there and steamrolled them boys and almost put a 50-burger up against the uh, the Steelers. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pick the upset pick when I'm picking the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know how they're going to do it. Uh, supposedly, there's supposedly another blizzard that's coming in to the point where there's like a travel ban outside of anybody that's not in the local surrounding county. I think it's Erie County up there in uh, western New York where can't nobody even get into the city. So... I, I, I think that that's going to hinder, but I just think that somehow Mike Tomlin is going to figure it out and it'll be a low, ugly scoring game. Mason Rudolph is going to play within his limits, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Steelers really just don't beat, if they really just beat the Buffalo Bills in their crib. Now, with the yuck game between the Buccaneers and the Eagles, I had a homie of mine, I know you're listening. So I'm going to say this. He was like, how come I ain't gave the Bucks they, they roses? Well, I mean, I, I gave Baker Mayfield his roses, and I said that Baker Mayfield, you know, this might be his best comeback game, but at the same time, it's the freaking Buccaneers, bro. Like, what? You know, they, y'all barely, y'all, here's the thing. The Buccaneers barely beat a team that had two wins this year. I don't even know how many wins the Carolina Panthers had. And had it not been for a touchdown that got negated on a fumble and lost in the end zone or whatever that rule is, the game probably would have had a different outcome where the Buccaneers wouldn't even been in the playoffs because they could barely beat a 2-1 team. Now, here's the thing that gives the Bucs a little bit of hope today is that they're playing a team in the Philadelphia Eagles that is just mentally, physically, and spiritually broken. A.J. Brown ain't playing today. That means you're going to have to rely on Devontae Smith. So this is his time to step his game up, and you're going to have to add Julio Jones. You asking Julio Jones to step his game up? I don't know how I feel about that is all I'm saying. So the Bucs got a chance. Um, <laughs> the Bucs do have a chance. However, don't nobody give a damn about that damn game, y'all. If you, if, you ain't a, if you ain't a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan or a Philadelphia Eagles fan, don't nobody care. Ain't nobody worrying about that. I'm pretty sure the Detroit Lions are like, all right, we already know, you know, we're going to play one of them two teams, and it is what it is. It's at our house. We ain't stunting off neither one of them two teams. Now, I don't care who wins these this game. I'm going to be honest with you. It don't matter because I honestly think that when they go up to Ford Field, they probably, you know, they ain't going to win. But as far as tonight's game between the Bucks and the Eagles go, I'll say this. If the Eagles don't win, ooh, I don't know how this is going to play out because this is a team that literally fired, uh, what's my man's name down there? Uh, Peterson, Doug Peterson. Fired Doug Peterson two years removed after he won the Super Bowl. And I think he won, got him, 10 or 11 wins the very next season after that and got him to the divisional round. So, um, Nick Sirianni, bro, uh, that, I know, I, I think that seat might be a little warm, man. If, 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 the, if the Buccaneers blow out the Eagles tonight, if I'm Nick Sirianni, I wouldn't even get on the bus or on the flight back to Philadelphia. I, I would be shocked. He might not catch a flight. So, I got the, I got the, bank. Uh, I'm sorry, I got the Steelers again and the, Ooh, I'm going to say for Nick Sirianni's sake, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Eagles tonight. Uh, he's literally coaching for his job. Anyways, with that being said, we're going to switch gears. Last week, we saw some huge, tight, ginormous, legendary coaches just throw their hands up and be like, I'm done. Um, we had Pete Carroll in the middle of the day. He just sat there, which was a shocker to me. 
I didn't see Pete Carroll getting fired or getting removed from his job whatsoever. That was that was stunning. Um, they were really, really close to making the playoffs, and I know that there have been rumblings about the defense being booty the last few years, but, I mean, they went to the playoffs last year. Um, they played the 49ers, I believe, and, you know, it was a, it was a, they did what they could do. Um, they got Geno Smith, his, you know, he got the bag. He didn't get the big bag, but he got a bag compared to, you know, what he had years before and compared to what he had been through. He was still able to get paid out. So and that happened. And then I'm going to pick up my little girl and I get the notification that Nick Saban just quit. And I was like, dang, that's a big deal, man. Like That is huge. And. Initially, before everything kind of started coming out, the rumors, reels, or why he started, I honestly was like, my initial thought was, he just tired. He tired of the politics. He tired of the BS. He tired of the transfer portal, portal, and he tired of the NIL stuff. I started thinking about Coach K um, uh, and Roy Williams just abruptly quitting. Especially Roy Williams, that was more of a like, dang, right? He just, I think they just came off the heels and went in the national championship where they were in the final four. And I was like, dang, that's a little weird. And the coach K, you know, he just sat there was like, yeah, this is my swan song. I'm done. But if you heard the way Nick Saban was talking about this team and how they had pretty much everyone had started writing them off when they had lost to Texas. And I believe uh, Jalen Mil- Milrow got benched after that game. I kind of was like, ooh, man, the dynasty's over, bruh. Like, it, it, is, it is done. Like, stick a fork in the boys. It's a wrap like Christmas type of done. And for him, for Coach Saban to be able to turn that team that was probably the least talented team that he's had in a long, long time, and for them to be inches away from being able to beat Michigan in the college football playoffs, let alone beat Georgia, the team that the only team that beat Georgia this year. Beat Georgia, so beat Georgia to the point where they could even get invited to defend their last two championships. Um, was a huge deal. So I'm gonna say this, and I was I went out to dinner. I went home this past weekend. Went home this past weekend and kicked it with some homies. Got to see my homie Mike. Got to see my homie Jordan from the Pac-12 Network. And I was talking to some people while I was out there, um, and we were we were just kind of talking about all the different coaching moves. And I'm gonna get to Bill Belichick in a minute. But I was talking about Coach Saban in particular, where I was like, man, this, this, is it me or do you, or are we just not like really looking at this NIL transfer portal stuff a little bit more in depth? Like, into like, are we, one, the transfer portal is just a wild, wild west. Like, that is a complete bleep show. Um, the fact that if a coach gets in your piece, the, the, the problem is these, these kids don't want to be coached. And a lot of y'all, a lot of you quarterback, you know, couch quarterbacks, take that for oh nah these coaches had too much power and and you know these you know now that the now that the players have the power uh you know these coaches don't know how to adapt first of all let me let me say this no one is saying that these players should not get the bag i have come from a higher ed education i i've worked in higher ed i know how the business of higher ed works where i have seen numbers of how much the athletic department makes off of these players so no one is denying that they are getting pennies to the dollar, even with their NIL money. It's not even fairly compensated of what they're getting. What we are saying is there needs to be some regulations and rules. You can't tell me that an 18-year-old kid out here driving a freaking Maserati pulling up on campus is, is it, we're teaching life lessons. And that's the problem. Y'all out here talking about these, you know, you, you sound like a hater that you don't want these players to get paid. No one is saying that. 
I'm just saying that there needs to be some stipulations out here. Like the thing, the cold part about it is every institution doesn't even have NIL even set up. Like the University of Washington. If I'm the University of Washington, it is outside of probably UNLV, two only schools in the nation that are in dead smacking of a metropolitan city. UNLV here in Las Vegas is right here in the city. It is right in the shadows of the Las Vegas Strip. How that the recruiting team is not being able to do that is because they don't have NIL set up, ladies and gentlemen. So they can't even be able to do things compared to what like an Alabama or LSU, UGA, hell, even Auburn has NIL set up. So it's not even an even playing field. Then you're telling players that, hey, if a coach sits there and sounds off on you and you ain't digging it, but before your fourth game, you can just go ahead and throw your hands up, say you're going to redshirt and hold on to that extra year of eligibility and just dip set. Nah, man. Like, the thing about the transfer portal for me is we're teaching kids how to be quitters. We really are. Like, come on now. You can't just get up and just when your boss and you're in real life and your boss sit there and just, you know, lay, lay the smack down on you and you just going to get up and be like, man, I ain't, I ain't, I'm done. I want you. You can. You can do that. But here in the real world, that means that you got to face the consequences. That means you're going to be unemployed probably, and you're going to have to start filling out some applications. You can't, here's the thing, you can't just get up and quit when things don't go your way. And I think that's what we're instilling our kids, where I'm a firm believer if, like, let's just say the dude who just took the new Alabama job, Kalen DeBoer, I believe is his name. All of those players should be eligible to get up and leave. I have no issues with that. Or... Coach Saban, he just sat there and said he was going to retire. I have no players with players saying they want to get up and go to a different school because 95% of these players are going to the institution because of what the coach recruited them to do. They ain't going there just because, oh, Stanford has a great academic record or they know that's Ivy League West Coast. No, they ain't going there for that. They can't, I mean, whatever education they get out of it, that's cool. But a lot of these players, they're going there for the coach, and that's cool. No one's knocking that. But the moment when you're coach and you get a disagreement, you just get up and just chuck up the deuces. What are we doing? What are we teaching our kids? We're teaching them how to be quitters. And that's the problem I got. I think that the transfer portal needs to be honed down a little bit more where if your coach get fired, resigns or quits or it's a personnel decision, players should be eligible to get up and go. But for you just to get up and quit in the middle of your eligibility just because you ain't like the way the DB coach came at you because you couldn't, you know, you couldn't do the cone drill or whatever the case may be. And you're going to be like, nah, bro, I'm out of here. That's trash. That is trash. That is absolute garbage. So Pete Carroll, um, Nick Saban, and then you got my man Bill Belichick, which that was a little bit more, uh, that was a little bit more expected. Um, I really wasn't surprised about Mike Vrabel getting fired, to be honest with you, because I had said earlier this season, if you listen to the show, I said the Tennessee Titans we going to take a step, a huge step back. And y'all thought I was crazy. To the point where I even said Mike Vrabel's job is on the line. Hell, even um, Sean McDermott. I wouldn't be shocked if his job is on the line right now as well. If, let them lose to the Steelers today. His job might be on the line as well. But as far as Bill Belichick goes, I wasn't shocked about it. I mean, it was only a matter of time. Now, people are saying already that he should go to the uh, go to the Cowboys. Why? Why, why, would, anybody, why would Jerry Jones and, and Bill Belichick just be miserable together? Um, we've already seen that happen with Jimmy Johnson. Granted, Jimmy Johnson was able to get him essentially three Super Bowls. Um, Bill Parcells, they never even made it to the NFC Championship game. And Bill Belichick comes from the Bill Parcells coaching tree. So I'm not really... Here's the thing about Bill Belichick. If, well, actually, not even Bill Belichick. If I am an NFL team, you have to sell me straight on why would I want to get Bill Belichick. 
I, like seriously, let's 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 think about this. You take away Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, and I know this is a sensitive subject, but Aaron Hernandez. You take away them players. Name me some other players that he's really just like been able to find through the draft. Like every a lot of those things have not really panned out well as far as personnel decisions. And like I said, my man likes to play Oregon Trail, you being the farmer as opposed to being the banker. Which, I mean, you gotta get it how you live, but if you look at all of assistants of his assistants, they have never panned out well because they have that same mindset. These are a whole this is a whole new generation of players. Like you really about to have the third whatever. You know, whatever, let's just say he stuck with the Patriots and he had the third overall pick. You really about to talk to Caleb Williams, who out here pulling up with a Porsche 911, you know, paid like he's already walking in as a multi-millionaire. And you think that that stuff is going to be able to fly? No, man. You know, that's, that, 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 that's not working no more. So I would be shocked if any team, I'm going to be honest with you, any team that hires this man, I would be, I, I think they'll have buyer's remorse. You know, there, there's, there's this notion that he may go to the Falcons because the Falcons have pieces that they can work with. I don't think he's really trying to rebuild. I think my man is trying to literally win, get as many, break the most wins for Don Shula's all-time winning his coach record, which to me, Bill Belichick is the greatest football coach in the NFL. I don't need him to have the most wins, the most all-time wins for him to solidify that. Like, just because LeBron James has the most points of all time. Like, to me, he's not the greatest player of all time. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't, the, the two don't add up. Um, so, for him to get that record, it's not going to mean nothing to me. Like, I think this dude being to nine Super Bowls, I believe is what it is, and winning six of them, that's enough for me to be like, yeah, this dude's the GOAT. There's, there's, there's no, nothing really to debate about. So, um, Bill Belichick is going to be very, very interesting. I think he's going to be a name that people are going to start swirling around just because. But if you're thinking about he needs to go to the Cowboys, that's a bad idea. Him going to the Falcons where he needs to rebuild, I don't know. I don't know how he would look with the the, the Chargers in L.A. That's That could be interesting, but I feel like that job is for Jim Harbaugh to turn down at this point. Um, I'd be shocked if Jim Harbaugh is not the coach for the Chargers. Chargers or the Raiders. Like I said last week, I'm not going to be too happy with the decision, but I understand the decision. But I think the Chargers gig is really for Jim Harbaugh to turn down, if I had to take a guess. Unless they're just super duper fixated on this whole Bill Belichick. But if you look around the league, he can't go to Tennessee after they just move Mike Vrabel up out of there. I don't think he can go to Seattle. Like, I don't I don't see that really working out. So it's all really what Bill Belichick wants to do. Does he want to go to Washington? Um that, that's a possibility, but they got a lot of, they need a lot of things that they need help with, starting with the quarterback, where I'm definitely moving up off of Sam Howell, like, as of yesterday, so Bill Belichick is going to be a name that's going to be circulating, running around here, where I think if anybody does hire him, that'll be a costly mistake, unless he goes to the Panthers, where they're just doomed already, so, um, yeah, Bill Belichick, I don't know what's out there, but that is three huge pillars in the the game of football, both pros and college, and, and to even include Jim Harbaugh, because I'd be shocked if he stays in, at, at the University of Michigan at this point. Um, he done did his thug dizzle there, and it's time for him to probably move on to greater pastures, and it's probably also time for him to move on just because the NCAA is probably about to crack down on him, and more than likely, they'll have to vacate those wins that they had this year anyway, so um, he'll probably be moving just off of that alone, so with that being said, you have been listening to the Sports Business Podcast available on all platforms. Um, you can find me on 
the Twitterverse slash X at Sports Business. You can also find me on Instagram at Money Compton. But before we get up out of here, we got to do the dumb of the day. Hey, man, I was out Saturday night at a wrestling event, so this really didn't bother me as much. But uh, the NFL ought to be ashamed of themselves. How can you how can you have the nerve to put the number one sport in America practically on pay-per-view? And they had that Chiefs uh, Chiefs Dolphins game only available via Peacock, the streaming app by NBC. I believe it was reported to be said, according to the Wall Street Journal, that the Peacock paid the NFL $100 million for their exclusive rights to stream that game. Are y'all that damn greedy over $100 million where you really just had to have a whole bunch of old people try to figure out how to log into their Peacock and they had to call little Jimmy? Tell little Jimmy to uh, let them, you know, what is a peacock? And little Jimmy had to explain to granddad, oh, yes, this thing where you stream and you got to put up, you know, you got to put up a username and password. And granddad is out here like, well, what is all that? And little Jimmy getting frustrated because granddad old and don't know how to do all this stuff. So little Jimmy got to sit here and stop what he doing and, 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 and give granddad his his login information. The NFL, bro, how much money, how much more money do you need for you to keep this juggernaut going? $100 million is like a dollar for you guys. That is nothing. And for y'all to keep putting this stuff on streaming, and I get it. Maybe I'm just one of the young millennial slash Gen Z people that are still with the old school traditional cable stuff because that's just who I am. But the fact that you can't just turn on your damn TV, go to a local network broadcast station, and watch some football because the NFL is too damn greedy, that is a problem. That is a huge problem that I got with. Like, you're literally cutting off an entire demographic of our elderly estates people around here because you guys are too greedy. You pretty much want to have things on pay-per-view. You know, it's kind of the same thing that happened with the NFL ticket this year, but it is extremely disappointing that the NFL chose this route just because they wanted to put your best, your most marketable player in Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, who's dating Taylor Swift right now. You had to make mofos pay for that. The NFL ought to be ashamed of themselves for that, but you know, I guess that's why they are making the millions and billions of dollars that they are. And, you know, as long as we are out here taking, you know, just buying into it and just like, all right, well, since it's just football, we're going, you know, we're going, as long as we keep doing this and I, and, and I was, it's very fitting that I'm saying this on Martin Luther King Day, Martin Luther King Day, that uh, if you don't take a stand for something, you'll fall for everything. And I feel like us as consumers, we're just falling for everything. We're just because it's football. And it's on pay-per-view. We just got to do it because we got to get our football fixed. And I saw Mike Tirico yesterday put it, you know, he put out some type of public statement about it was the most streamed event ever in sports and how successful it is. Well, yeah, now that they put that type of market out, marketing out there, you know, the NFL sees that as a huge success. And guess what? I'm pretty sure that there'll be two games next year in the playoffs where it's extre- exclusively on some type of streaming platform. So the NFL, you guys are definitely done me today. But that is a sports business podcast. You can catch us once a week um, on this platform. And until then, we will run it back next week. But until then, we are out of here.